you've given us the opportunity to be stewards over your creation. You've created us for work, God, and that is a gift. Our lives have uh, meaning and purpose, and we thank you for um, the added meaning that we find ourselves as people who are in Jesus Christ by faith, God. Uh, we pray that you would just be with us as we discuss what living out our faith and work is all about, God. Um, that our experiences of walking with you might be beneficial to each other. And we ask this together now in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, thank you guys so much for coming out. It's great to be together. We've been uh, playing this for a while. And so why don't we start off by, uh, I would just love it if you would tell us who you are, how long you've been in Bloomington and here at ECC, uh, what your family looks like, if you have kids or pets, and what you do vocationally during the week. And so... Uh, Feel free, whoever's adventurous. Take us off. I'm Melissa Hollinger. Um, we have been in Bloomington. Yes, okay. Uh, I gotta make sure I got the questions right here. And if uh, you guys want microphones. I do not want a microphone. <laughs> you cannot, if God can hear me, the rest of you should be able to hear me. So, okay. <laughs> We've been here for 12 years. Yes, We said it was an old joke. <laughs>
and hit the pause button on school because he got a great job offer. Interesting that we're talking about location. So he's going to take a year or two and get some uh, great experience. And Clark um, goes to Northern uh, Michigan University. He's a new tech grad here in town. And he's chasing his dream as an Olympic weightlifter, Olympic style weightlifter. So he, uh, when he was here in Bloomington, he was a youth national champion in his weight class. So he's really pursuing this uh, chance that he has. So my vocation is I work at a company here in town called Solution Tree. So it's a, a K-12 education is the market, and it's publishing and professional development. So everything we do or make or send or post is to make teachers more effective or administrators more effective. So one degree separate from students, but right there in that, in that educator um, space. Um, I've been there 11 years, so if I'm 54, what I do with the rest of that time? I spent 21 years in the Army, so I joined as a teenager, and then I became an officer um, at a you know, crossroads, like we're talking about tonight. I was an aviator, that's the Army's word for helicopter pilot, and uh, moved here uh, because someone I knew in the Army, I knew someone here, so the power of your network, you know, being introduced to someone else. So. Kind of a second career, so one in the Army and now one uh, in education. Well, thanks. I want to get a little bit more of your backstory now on how you, you are in the place that God has led you. Um, so if you would share with us where you grew up, went to college or grad school if applicable, and how that process of discerning how God has created you to serve him vocationally has played out in your life. Did you always have a clear understanding of what you should do, or has that developed over time? You know, whoever feels like they're ready to go. I'm ready. I'm ready. <laughs> so I didn't, I didn't always know. I think um, uh, the speaker that we had from the Dominican Republic a couple weeks ago, um, Mr. Larson, uh, helped me when he would, he briefly, he really went fast over it, but he talked about discernment and knowing where to serve. And I think it was in the context of how he had gotten it. But he said this uh, phrase, I think is meaningful. He said, just do the next right thing. So maybe you have a really long vision and you know where you're going. That wasn't uh, the case for me. Mine's been kind of incremental. I think that's what he was getting to, you know, just these key decisions, these key segues, crossroads, just do the, the next right thing. Um, for me, uh, really thought about what gifts and calling God had given me. And I think it's equally important what he hasn't. And so um, uh, just being uh, settled in what gifts you have and how we're uniquely created to have a divine purpose and destiny. Um, I think my approach, whether it was school or work or big decisions, was if I didn't feel sure, uh, I didn't want to miss out. So what I would do, what my wife and I described was, we would try to knock on all the doors we could. So there have been times where I applied for a job in grad school at the same time to see what happens. God seems to open the door. Um, you know, um, Proverbs 16 says, we make our plans and he guides our steps. You know, so 
I think my approach was not, I didn't have a long-term vision. I had this, I'll just incrementally uh, make the next choice or do the right thing. And, and uh, um, my approach was if I wasn't sure, I would try to do all the options, apply to the different things that were opportunities and then see uh, what happened. And God's been great and great and full of grace in my life that I can see when I look back, especially, you know, hindsight is so much clearer than when you're in the moment, that a lot of the decisions I made were because of doors that you closed. You know, so open doors, of course, but closed doors as well.
topics. So uh, went to took a couple of classes at the time, graduate courses at Ball State, because that's where we were, in cognitive psychology and really liked it. So then quit my job, came back to school here at IU, did my graduate work uh, in the department here, and along the way I realized that I kind of like doing research. I really, really hate writing about the research that I do. Really hate writing about the research that I do. And that even if I was really enjoying my research any time, if I was TAing or teaching a class, any time a student came in and said, hey, can we talk about whatever, I was more than happy to drop everything else I was doing to teach. Um, so it became very, very clear that that's where my heart was, that's what I wanted to be doing. So I, instead of pursuing a research-based career, then wound up uh, very fortuitously getting a full-time teaching job here. So I don't do research, I don't have to write grants, I don't have to write anything. It's a lesson plan, I guess. But, uh, I just get to teach, which is what I really, really love to do. But that's certainly, as a fifth grader, as a twelfth grader, as a college student, I probably would have told you that's what I was going to want to do. This is a question I dread answering the most. <laughs> <laughs> um, I grew up in a pastor's home, and in, in that home, and, and I see this with a lot of kids, uh, your home will in some ways shape the direction of your life. And um, there was always a very high respect for teachers, for educators in my home. So, um, and I, I, I interview people all the time now, and that's one of the questions we ask. Why did you decide to go into education, especially now when things can, can be so unsettled? And the response is always, well, you know, from second grade on, I knew I wanted to be a teacher, especially from the girls. And uh, that, I guess I could say that from a, a young age, I was always forcing my three younger sisters to sit through school in the summer. And I was there <laughs> so they would cry out to mom and yeah. like mom for release. And uh, mom would tell me, no, they, they need a summer too, Brenda. <laughs> so um, I, I always did, though, want to be a teacher. But along the way, you know, I, I met this man who wanted to go to school for about the rest of his life. So uh, we traveled all over the world. <laughs> United States from California to Connecticut going to school and so I've had many jobs uh, along the way but it gave me an opportunity to see what I really loved and my heart kept coming back to teaching <clears throat> and so um, when he finally got done I went to this little no-name Bible college you've never heard of Hopestown Bible College in Hopestown Florida but you have heard of my graduate school I went on to graduate school at Yale I uh, followed up Bob um, he got everything and he said now it's your turn. And I so appreciate that. So girls, just keep that in mind. It, it's a partnership. And um, I've seen situations where uh, the woman gives everything for the man to go through school. And then at the end of that, there is such a disparity between where they are intellectually with each other that it can create a barrier. So anybody get too far ahead of Kind of stay, you know, close in step as he can. But he did. He supported me in that, and um, it, it was a wonderful and amazing opportunity, and uh, something I would never have planned. I never would have thought when I was a little girl in the pastor's home, I'm going to go to New York Divinity School. I'm going to sit in all those classes and and be able to think along with all these guys because they really are smart there. Um, it, it's very intimidating. But um, it forced me to think in ways and disciplines that I never would have thought before. 
And like he does with everything, the Lord uses those experiences. <clears throat> After that, um, an opportunity opened up in Connecticut for Bob to stay there and be a pastor, and I was principal. So um, we stayed in Connecticut for a few years, and uh, I was the principal of the Christian school, and we came here. And I was ready to kind of take care of raising the kids. But, you know, the Lord brings things along in your life. And um, I, I did children's ministry here at the church for a few years. And then somebody called me out of the blue and said, you know, we need somebody to direct this GE program in Owen County. That's the next county over. Well, I said, what is it? Oh, full-time. No, I don't want full-time. Well, they called me back a few days later. How about part-time? Well, I felt like that was enough of a nudge, so I took it. And I, I did it for two years, and it's probably one of the most enjoyable and rewarding jobs I've ever had. But like so many of those jobs, they're run by grants, so the grant was running out, and I wasn't sure what the next step was. And the superintendent of the school corporation there came up and he said, Brenda, we need an assistant principal here at the elementary school. Would you step into it? And I had not had any, any plans to ever go back into administration. Um, there's a lot of joys with it. There's a lot of frustrations with it. Uh, but again, it was one of those opportunities. It was an open door. So um, I stepped into it and decided, okay. Came back to IU and got my administrative license. And now um, I've been at another school for about, I've been here eight, nine years in my Edgewood Primary School. So it wasn't anything that I started out as a young girl saying I wanted to be a principal someday. I wanted to be an administrator. But it's amazing when you're open to uh, the Lord leading your life, how there's so many surprises along the way. And uh, it's good. It's good. I want to make a quick observation. I don't know if this is something that you guys deal with, but when I was a student, I often looked at adults, and I was like, they probably always knew they wanted to do that, and I'm the only person who has no idea what they should be when they grow up. It seems like a really common theme that all of you have come to the places you are as a result of this process that was kind of out of your control, and you just kind of followed God in faith and hoped it would work out, and he's been over it, even if you couldn't entirely see yourself where it was going. It's really, really cool. Um, this next, These next two questions, if you could take just 30 seconds with each of them. I know that's tough. Um, what's one thing you love about your job and one thing that really frustrates you about your job? 30 seconds each. I'll start. Um, <laughs> one of the things that I absolutely love about my job, my favorite thing about my job, is that I'm quite convinced that the human brain is like the coolest thing ever. And uh, that's why I studied it, and that's why I teach about it. So the fact that I get to spend time convincing students, conveying that enthusiasm to them about how cool our minds are and how cool this field is to study and get them interested, hopefully, and excited about following up and doing more with it and becoming really great researchers and figuring cool stuff out, it's just really great. So that's, that's what gets me out of bed in the morning. What frustrates me about my job is the, just the administrative stuff. And it's not really frustrating, it's just tedious. There are tedious parts of the job. I spend far more time doing paperwork than I do in front of students convincing them that the human brain is super awesome. That's true with a lot of jobs, my wife's. Um, but it, it in no way outweighs the, the joys. It's a really small part of what I do in terms of recognition. Perfect. Nailed it. <laughs> One of the biggest joys is being able to shape a 
great educational experience for children. I get to do that, I get to have a big say in that, and I get to guide the process. And if you end up living in this area and you want your kids to have a great K through two experience, you want them to go to Edgewood Primary School. <laughs> <laughs> There's no place around here that gives them anything close to it. I can promise you that. If you want to come out and take a walk through my school, I'll show you. <laughs> um, the most frustrating part is two. It's working with the mommies and daddies. Sometimes they're not always cooperative, but that's part of it. Um, the, the biggest frustration, though, is not being able to fix systems that affect kids. There are so many broken systems and there are days you have to walk out of the school and you have, I have to forget what I know that that kid is going home to or else I couldn't sleep and I've got to go to sleep so that I can get up and go to school the next day. So that's one of the things for sure. Uh, I'm going to spend more time on the second so I'll go quickly. You know the one of the gifts that I get from my work is that there's um, projects and closure. I know a lot of people that there's, you know, they feel like a hamster in a wheel. You know, it's just the next day of more work. But I'll give you an example. You know, publishing that author, she has a great idea. It manifests itself in a manuscript. You go through production, and then you get to have closure. You can hold it in your hand. This uh, project is done. So I'm just wired to really like the iterative process of idea to fruition. But I did want to mention the second one, the frustration, just because it's been uh, maybe at an all-time high for me, and it's really um, thought-provoking kind of in both sides of our relationship. And the most frustrating part of, of my job is how difficult it is managing, working, succeeding, and excelling in the relationship between employer and employee. And I know that people counsel you at your age and at my age about you know, really being diligent and thoughtful and with whom we're in a relationship. You know, but an employer-employee, uh, that's truly a relationship. So you think about, you know, your relationship uh, spiritually with God and you think about your relationship with your loved ones or if you have a significant other now and all the guidance and thought that's gone into that. But it's amazing how little thought goes into this relationship that you'll be in with a big set of expectations should really let me inspire you to ponder what you're entitled to in that relationship. What what will you get out of it and how will you get it? It'll probably be by what you invest into it. And it's you know a third of your waking hours. You know, so it, you you should spend a huge amount of time pondering and wanting to be great in that relationship and uh, creating the right expectations and really managing it because it is a relationship. And it's a huge frustration. People that aren't at peace in their employer-employee relationship, uh, it's struggling. And it'll affect a, a lot of your life. And for an employer, there's nothing worse than you know, misguided expectations in both directions. So um, I think that's my, uh, my biggest frustration is how I, I believe that's very manageable and it's not mysterious. And yet we don't invest a lot of time and effort to really understand it. Um, I consider it humbling and a privilege to um, intersect with people and take care of them sometimes at a very vulnerable point of their lives and sometimes at the most joyous points of their lives. And in terms of frustration, I did not go to school to do paperwork, paperwork, paperwork. Mm -hmm. It is hours. It's ridiculous. It's ridiculous. Mm -hmm. <laughs> 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 Moving on. <laughs>
Christ influence the way you approach your work on a daily basis? And uh, for everyone's information, we're going to try and wrap things up by 7.10. And so I want to share two, two gems we got to hit here with these question four and question six. Um, but this first one, how does your faith in Christ influence the way you approach your work on a daily basis? I, I don't do this for the paycheck. There's not a big enough paycheck. I, I, I'm well compensated. I don't. I'm not complaining about my paycheck. But I do not do this for a paycheck because there's no job that is worth whatever paycheck you make. So um, this is my this is my act of this is my offering to God using the gifts that He's given me. And um, I just have to remember that the person in front of me bears His image as well. Sometimes it's a little harder to see, and I'm sure they feel that way about me too. So. Um, So I should talk about her answers before. She stole my answer. Um, <laughs> yeah. So uh, for me, one of the things that's weird, and I don't know if it's right, but I I sometimes struggle with whether or not it is my place as a college educator, if there's any room for me to talk about my faith in the classroom. And where I'm at at the moment, I think that it's not. That's, that would be an abuse of my position. So I don't I don't do that. Um, I'm happy to talk to students about those things and office hours and things like that, but I don't I don't make any faith claims when when I'm in front of the students. Um, but I do think that there's in in academia it's, uh, there's a lot of pride, there's a lot of ego that goes into it, and it's very easy for uh, for me um, to view this as I, I have all of this knowledge and I get to convey it to these other people, and it's a sort of a position of power. But so instead thinking about the fact that what I'm doing is serving these students. Not, not that I'm teaching them, not that I'm uh, getting them excited about it, but this is a service that I can provide humbly to them to make sure that I'm not doing what I'm doing uh, so that they think I'm awesome or you know, do whatever I'm rate my professor. But uh, <laughs> we, we do, in fact, check rate my professor. Okay? <laughs> I wish it works, but it is. Uh, but so just, just seeing it that way as an being well prepared for what I'm doing and being as good as I possibly can because that's what's called for in that act of service and I'm disrespecting um, students and disrespecting people that carry the image of God and I'm wasting their time the way I'm handling myself in the classroom. I bet you get a really good hotness rating. Oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's also me though. Yeah. Melissa's <laughs> well, got like 20 email accounts. <laughs>
that is built on those lifelines, respect, responsibility, patience. So it influences how I shape the curriculum. It influences my approach with my, you know, he's talked about that employee-employer relationship. And it influences that. But, buddy, I have to be showing that integrity. Because the minute I don't, there's going to be 50 teachers that see it. And so if I want them modeling that for the kids, I have to be modeling that for them. So your faith influences the way you behave. It influences the decisions you make. It influences your relationship. And are there times when you blow it? Absolutely. And those are the times when you go back and you publicly say, I was wrong and I'm sorry. And it's the hardest thing to do. I remember one time I was always in her office. And there's always slow people in front of you. And this is cool
the way the way that it affects me uh, now is uh, consistent. That's I think the word that really cues it up. Well, why don't we close with this question? What advice would you give a student who wants to serve God with their work, but isn't exactly sure what direction to go in pursuing that? I'll go first. I'll use a reference just because I thought this is such a broad uh, topic and I know that uh, Josiah would want to keep this uh, on track. So uh, my reference, so that it would be uh, more succinct than I could do it, is a blog called The Southern Blog. It's from the Southern Baptist Theological Seminary. And there's an article in there about discernment. I'll just quickly read you what it says the components of that can be for us. Uh, our relationship with God. They're clear in there that it's not a relationship about understanding His will for us. It's getting to know Him more deeply. So your relationship will inform your life uh, when you grow in your relationship with God. Uh, what does the Word say? Right? So whatever you decide, whatever your ambitions, whatever you think of as your commission is going to have to be congruent with the Word. Right? So the Word prayer. Prayer and listening prayer will the counsel of others, they use this term uh, gray beards. Uh, when you're gray-headed, you may not uh, like that as much as uh, other people. But what it's really talking about is people with experience or wisdom that are placed in your life. And you'll use them as a resource. People that you respect and have experience. Um, your experiences will guide you. That came up a number of uh, times tonight. Your circumstances, looking for God in your circumstances. His timing and then the desires that he placed in your heart. So those are, that's kind of a, a quick list that's on the Southern blog about um, how to know how to take those next steps.
person that you need to be in whatever vocation you choose. It is all valuable. You have skill sets that you can use and you can learn from. I think it is just so important that, again, whatever you do, your understanding is that this is not you doing this. This is you using the gifts that God gave you. And you need to find a way to do that for the further the furtherment of this kingdom, basically, and from your edification, basically, yet using your gifts, gifts others. Since everyone covered that, let me just focus on <clears throat> serving God uh, with your work. That phrase. Well, I, you know, people want good people in the workplace. We want ethical people. We want people we can trust. Uh, one person at my work that I wouldn't want to work without, that I don't want to be a principal anywhere without, is my head custodian. She's that good. When I need her to do something, she's usually thought of it before me, and she does it so well. People come into a building that's 15 years old, and they think we just started in it two years ago because it's so well kept. But she... She works with her heart and her soul. She puts her heart and soul into it. But, you know, I've had jobs along the way where I really didn't want to put my heart and soul into it. I still had to do a good job. I had to be a good person. I had to be a good employee. And I would long during those times to use my gifts. But that is what the church is for. You know, when that list of gifts is given in Scripture, it's to serve the church. Use your gifts for the church wherever you are. Christ is building his church and you can be a part of that. He's given all of you gifts. We need those gifts. Maybe it's not the place that you would choose to serve, the opportunities that are open. And you might not think, well, that's not my greatest gift. Try it. I'll never forget about, oh man, Andrew came to you about what? 13, 14, 15 years ago. He wanted to work in the church. He wanted to do something in the church. He was a college student. And Bob said, all right, we have this a spot for you. Was it third and fourth grade boys? Third, I mean, we need you to teach the third and fourth grade boys class. Well, Andrew said, I don't, I don't want to do that. And Bob said, well, I think, I think we need to. He really pushed me, really leaned on me. And he did it. Andrew taught those boys in third and fourth grade, in fifth and sixth. He followed them all the way through college. They still connect today. It's been one of the biggest joys of his life, but he kind of resisted it at first. You never know what other gifts you might have that might be developed, what other relationships are out there. But those gifts were given, not just for secular work, they were given for you to edify the body of Christ in the church. So I hope all of you are finding your spot in the church. If you haven't, discovered it. Can't come out. <laughs> Thank you all so much. This was gold. Let's give our Why don't we close in prayer? But before I do that, here are some people putting their gifts to work right now. Those are three happy men. We can uh, we can say thanks to them for grilling for us. Why don't we close in prayer? Father, we thank you for the opportunity to serve you with our lives. God, I thank you for these folks and the ways that you have directed their paths, that they might be able to use the gifts and the personalities, the abilities you've given them, God, for your glory to make your name known. 
pray that you would give them joy in their work, that you would increase their influence uh, all for your glory, God. And I thank you for these students and them being here. If there's anything that you would want them to take away, I just pray that your spirit would put it on their mind, God. As they discern how they would serve you, we just pray that um, you would enlarge their picture for uh, your love for them, God. That they would uh, know their identity is firmly rooted in your work on their behalf on the cross. And that your spirit that works inside of them will, will just give them everything they need to serve you well, God. And so we just uh, thank you for the food you provided for us tonight as well and ask your blessing upon it. And together this we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. All right.